0: Tina, how are you? Do you do? We're, we're all wired up here to talk about it. You after, can after wire you. me up for me heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, why do you buy a meat off me? Or why, do you, why, do you, why do you decide to come, here. to come down to me to buy a because meat off me? Because it's beautiful meat, very tender, and the shop is beautiful, very clean, everything... And very cooperative, the whole staff. Thank you very much, Ina. Well, that's exactly and It's a pleasure it's a to ple- deal with you. Well, it's a pleasure for us to have you, Ina. Thank there's you no very doubt about much, it. There's no doubt about it. I'm very grateful for you saying those nice things, and tomorrow, no doubt, you'll say the same again. I
1: <laughs>
2: certainly will.
0: There's a, there's a check in the post, Ina. <laughs> <Dana. laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ina. God bless. <laughs>
3: it's fantastic, really. You always get cracked in here, anyway.
1: <laughs> well, we know it's
3: a meanest day, but should we. No, <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> yeah. yeah, we definitely it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Price doesn't matter when you get the bad. service. <laughs> to, um... And you'll get the crutch <laughs>
1: <laughs> The average butcher
0: shop, and I know whether I speak for thousands of butchers throughout the country who, 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 who okay. are... Possibly the wives are listening to the programme, or some of them. They shouldn't be listening to the programme. Should be walking. <coughs> they're, 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 I know. I, I speak for them. But a butcher's sharp and actual fact is live theatre. It it, 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 As you live and breathe, it happens that day. He
3: knows his
1: customers.
3: He definitely knows his customers, and he, he knows what you want. That's. Well, I know. I think they are all the same. You know the customers. I
1: don't
0: know if they can go with them. <laughs> this is Drahada When I when I come, I was born and raised in Drahada. All my family are in in the town. And actually, in fact, the name Kearns, Kierans, K I E R A N S, is peculiar to Drahada itself. And uh, morning, John. How are you? It's It's peculiar to Drahada. And there's a whole big family of us. It's kind of like a a mini mafia in town. <laughs> And if you want anything done, you have to get a cairn to do it for you. We're sort of, um, we're, we're very numerous. We're good breeders. Uh, this, the shop is located in Drogheda. Uh, that is, this is where my family have been, and uh, I'm very much a Drogheda man. Uh, I'm very much in love with my town. I'm very much aware of the fact. Uh, that, that my town has uh, looked after me, and I feel I should put something back into it, and I have an obligation to stand up for my town and stand up uh, and 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 see that uh, as I move through life that I have an, an involvement in the town, and that I should promote the town as much as I can. Uh, as, far, as far as the butcher shop is concerned, <laughs> okay. This is a poem I found in, 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 in an old butchers magazine or periodical, and it goes back to the, is from the experience butcher in 1816, which goes back a long number of years. And uh, hello, Sir Egan, how are you? Right. We're, we're, we're on radio here now at the moment on RTE, and I want you to stand with me, and no better man to read this poem here, which indicates exactly how I feel about the trade. Truth is not ashamed of the light. Your customers know that you are at great expense, and that you must live by your trade. Next to honesty, cleanliness and civility are the greatest recommendations of a tradesman and none more than butchers. The real nature of their business and the prejudice of the world make these qualities more particularly requisite in them. We have one common interest. We must live by one another. Now that poem, I know it may sound, just when you read it out, not very clear. But the second part there, the real nature of their business, the type of business we do, and the prejudice of the world, the prejudices that are out there in the marketplace where people misunderstand the meat trade about our business, makes it because of those prejudices, because of people's lack of understanding or misunderstanding about the killing of animals in order to create meat. That is why we must be in the meat trade more careful that the qualities are more particularly requisite in a butcher than in anybody else, because it's our job to do the thing and do it properly and to, to, to present the meat properly and to go about the processing of animals properly. And if we don't, each of us that are out there in the meat trade are doing a disservice to an honourable trade. And that's why that, pro, that, that poem, uh, written in, 19, in 1816, is even more relevant today than it ever was because the prejudices are even more great than they ever were. It's
3: true.
0: There you are now. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. You're out in a cold day. <laughs> You braved the elements to come down to buy a piece of meat. I
3: did. You wouldn't blame me.
0: Oh, not at all. The, the <laughs> temptation was too much for
3: you. I, I have a list here. Have you listed
0: the declared okay. runners? I have. Right.
3: I can see and uh, see <laughs> everything. That's grand. And uh, what's it going to say to you? And the ribs?
0: We have. We Did the ribs come yet, Anthony? Did you? Yes. Yeah, we have loads of ribs. They're right, just right, in. Right. So you have, we we, we, have, we have everything you want in your list. Okay. Okay. you Yeah. Keep well. Yeah, it's very cold today, isn't
3: it? Very cold.
0: Have you? Can can I read it for you here? Yeah, I can read it for you. Four steaks, six chops, two pork fillets, two sheets of ribs. It started for me when uh, when when I was uh, when I was sixteen years of age, and and my my, my, my father got ill, and we had a family business in the town, which is, and I was I was sort of involved in that. And uh, I went in to serve my town Then uh, after my father died with my uncle. And uh, tremendous character, my Uncle Tommy, he's, uh, he was a man I was very, very fond of. Uh, we had, we, I soldiered with him for, I think it was 12 years, in my formative years, and I found that uh, he's a man of tremendous sense of humour. I suppose whatever little bit of humour I have myself, maybe I got from him. Although I suppose all the kids have a sense of humour they have to have. But uh, those days were very exciting because uh, everything was much different uh, than it is now because Uh, we haven't got the same constraints of Profitability then that you have now, The competition is unbelievable in the meat trade. You have to be very sharp, on the ball, really know where you're going. You've got to have the article for the customer. You can't delay them too long. You've got to be able to get them in and out of your shop. You've got to give them exactly what they want. They're very aware of the necessity for, 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 for productivity. So, therefore, it's not as laid back as it used to be. It was much more laid back in my younger days. At least it appeared to be. But maybe it's just like the summers. The summers always seem to be nice. But in the young days, maybe it's just that old age is catching up with me. And I'm now beginning to feel the strain. But I would say that uh, things were much. Different Different than those days, much more pedestrian, much more relaxed. There was no window in the shop when I went to serve my time first, so therefore it was just open and the, the meat was hanging outside. That's not a million years ago. People, had a, pe- people were, were closer to the soil then, they were closer to nature then. Now we're, we're becoming gradually more and more and more divorced from, from, from and an, an, not seeing the meat as as had been a product of the land were isolating it and putting it away in cabinets and pre-packing it and putting in boxes and were, were moving it away it was much closer to to nature then and uh, all the little sort of meat was was, was sold in, 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 in greater volume in the sense that the bigger lumps were sold people came in from the country with a pilly case and they put a lump of meat in the pilly case and they brought it home and everything was boiled. Everything was boiled. No such thing is putting something on a grill in those days. The parish priest, maybe, or maybe the, the, the parish priest and uh, people like that, they hit the fillets, but the average person had to open. it they put in a pot and boiled it with a load of vegetables and had soup and then meat to eat and they lasted for the week. And they used to come in on horses and carts and tie them to the pole and come in and get their stuff and buy their other groceries, leave them in the corner of the butcher shop, then collect all their other stuff and head off home. Maybe after the man come back after a few bottles in the pub next door. That's the way it was. It was much, 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 much different than it is now. But I know that John McCormick was all the vogue. I know that I was reared among all that kind of music, and I persist today even as my, my favorite type of music. Music is that kind of music. But I suppose it's what we're born into. What we we, we sort of. Developed from our, from our parents and that sort of thing, and love of it. But they, they, they were the kind of the kind of tunes that, that were all the go that time. But it's a low record player, and you wind it up, and away we go then, and no. a pig the with a pig in the window and had a black white putting around his ears and we had him singing the record player underneath and we let another pig was singing and the people were all thronging around the shop and all saying the singing pig was fantastic but to just take that particular story now and, and, and take the implications of having a pig in the window complete with this head could not be done nowadays people would not accept the fact that you would do that Why do you think? and this is and this is because people have moved now they're it's, it's very strange to relate that they couldn't look at a pig's head and, 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 and correlate that with the meat trade. Yet they can sit back on television at night and watch people being blown up in the north, watch things, things happening in the north uh, and, and all over the world. And possibly, sometimes may not be possibly as concerned. I'm not saying that the animal should be put down in a, in a different line. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. But I find it most peculiar that they constantly run of the meat trade over this business of, oh, you couldn't have pig's head, and I wouldn't eat an ox tongue, and I couldn't, uh, you know, it, it looks like... It, you know. the, Fre- the French uh, like certain parts of the animal that we abhor and say, oh, you couldn't eat that. Uh, the French like, 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 like sheep's brains. It's a delicacy in France. Yet the French are just the same as us, they're human beings, but their eating habits are slightly different. And we seem to have got ourselves up a cul-de-sac in relation to our own eating, that we can't accept that all of the animal in its totality, various parts of it are unacceptable to us, just because they're unacceptable to us. But they're quite acceptable to some other human being in some other part of the world. I personally couldn't eat a snail. But I don't say, oh, I couldn't eat a snail and make a big issue of it. Because I don't like snails, OK? I also don't like licorice sweets. That's just another thing I don't like. I'll yeah. Mona, you're late. Yeah. No, you're not girl. It is not while beauty and
2: youth By a tear, that the fervor and faith of a soul can be known, to which time will but make thee more dear. No, the heart that has truly loved never for Oh, see!
0: butcher who, who's not aware that there's the meat that he sells, that each each time an animal each, all the meat that he sells, an animal has to give up his life, and all that, that, that uh, he can continue to keep his family and provide his service and everything else for his customer so he has to be fully aware of what is the implications of what he's doing so each creature has to be treated with gentleness and care and love, I know that's, I know that sounds like a contradiction but If you were to just do the job you're supposed to do and do it well and do it with no malice and expedite the thing as quickly as possible and do it according to the regulations that are laid down very strictly by the Department of Agriculture, when that is done, that is the animal fulfilling its destiny. But when you get uh, somebody who is doing it badly, that's the person that we, in our organisation, that the Irish Master British Federation, and myself personally, will land on that person make like a ton of bricks, and they needn't come to us and say to us we're in trouble with the department. If they're not doing the thing right, they're not doing it right, and that's it. No, there's no room in the world for these kind of people. This, this is the job that, that, that we're aware of has to be done. We're doing it, we're doing it well, and that's the only way to do it. If you enjoyed it, you will be wrong. Right. And if you didn't enjoy it, you, you, know, you, 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 you couldn't do it. But when the media made capital on it to get mileage, just to create <coughs> space and to create something interesting for a programme before they move on to something else, that is when they're wrong. When they use it as a football in their argument or allow the vegetarian people, some of them, who are excessively to the, to, to, into vegetarianism and are anti-meat possibly. They use it then. That's when it's being used in political football. But I'm not saying to you stop doing what you're doing. If you're asking a question about that, always ask it. It's your right and it's your privilege to stand guard and watch out for the animal. Because everybody is not like the people I know in the trade. There have some very naughty people. They're always there. But you don't even get them in the meat trade. You can get cruel people out of Fitlow. He was a painter. He was also a vegetarian, isn't he? Go ahead. He was a naughty boy, wasn't he? <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> well, this is Mary here. This is Patricia. These things are all word up. I don't want to go and have to say to you Nancy. here. Oh, they want you to sort of talk among ourselves and sort of talk among ourselves about your night last night, Jimmy, and you know how you feel about it. And your night last night, how you feel about it. <laughs> <You're gone now. laughs> well there was a pecking order in the shop really, when I uh, when I went out to the shop first first of all you went to the yard, which is I'm sure you deal with later on, and then we went in and we you went into the sausage house and you served a time with making sausages. Different butchering now than, uh, than it was then because you learnt the complete and entire trade, the complete gambit of the thing. And uh, when I came out of this, my first customer I never forget, my Uncle Tommy, now we go to, we came in and he said to me, OK, you're out in the shop today. This is a tremendous uh, challenge. Mm. So he had sent me from the business and he gave me his pooch and steel, and I'm not very tall, and when I put it on, it was very vegetable tip tipped the ground. I was like, why is I up, going out to face the public? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I arrived out, and I, afterwards I found, after a couple of days, to look for a sausage customer to say, if you can get a sausage customer, you're in business. <laughs> She'd ask you for a half pound of sausage, and you, just, you could serve with a half pound of sausage. It didn't require board- level education for that. But my first customer, who will remain nameless, said to me, go back to your pram, sonny. <laughs> and I'll never forget... Uh, I was decimated. I was decimated. I retreated then to the, the you know, Sanctorums and remained in there for three days till I composed myself. I think that there's the greatest load of, uh, what do you call it, rubbish? I suppose you could call it rubbish. With two large bees stuck in the middle, a load of rubbish. I think the established foods, which are milk, cheese, and beef, lamb and pork. They are established foods. They built this nation of those foods. They put the back on the people. We went over and we filled America, we filled Australia, we filled New Zealand, we filled England with good, strong, healthy, intelligent people off the back of good, simple food. And now that our people have the audacity to start talking at this rubbish about other foods are better. Where could you get a simpler, more straightforward meal than a, a few potatoes, fresh vegetables from the farm and a piece of meat, cooked perfectly for your children? It's simple, it's straightforward and it's nutritious. Now, you've got these people coming along and saying, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, it's, that's not good. What about the people that are now all so beautiful and slim, slipping into Christian Dior dresses? Not all, not, not overweight by a fraction, possibly even to look better than actually underweight. And here you've got this beautifully torn-out lady, nice and slim. But what happens if she gets a little dose of pills, the pneumonia or something? Because you going to fall back on. How can she lose a few pound weight if she gets sick? She'll be in a shroud. You have to have a little bit of beef on you. You've got to have a little bit of a touch of warmth about yourself. You can't go round shriveled up with your nose and stuck on your hanky all the time, blowing into it. I've got a cold again. Why haven't you got a cold again? For well, Christ's sake, you're full of all sorts of stuff. Cashew, nuts and bananas and beans and what have you. That's not food. It's okay if you couldn't afford it. Of course you can afford it. And if you if you take a pound of meat, a pound of stewing beef at at, at um, two pound per pound, bonus. You got a pound of carrots at twenty pence is two twenty. A pound of onions at twenty pence is two forty, and seven pound of spuds at eighty pence, that's three twenty. Add those all together, and you've got eleven pound of fresh food for three pound twenty pence. I meat's two deal, food's two dear. They're eating the wrong foods, that's why it's two deal. The reality of how good how uh, good value meat is, is to get in there and cast it out. You don't have to eat phyllis of steak, is it, to eat meat. You can buy a pound of stewing meat and stew it down properly and give it its time. Microwaving and all these other things, they're all there. They're all very advantageous. But nothing can beat a good, wholesome pot of stew and a cold morning like this sitting on the stove when the kids come in, you sell them off with a glow around them. You won't get that in a packet because they only come this way once. And the food you put into your, in, into your body is important. And if you're going to compete in life, you've got to be able to compete. And uh, the meat do not inherit the earth. Uh, that's just a misnomer put out by somebody to keep the meat happy. You know, they've got to be up, you've got to be able to compete, you've got to be able to compete. Young people have to compete with each other, they've got peer pressures, they've got to compete in the football field, they've got to compete, compete in the school yard, and they need that bit of bumping up and go, they need energy. And if you want to come along and uh, end your life prematurely at, at, at 35 or 40 years of age by becoming semi-anorexic through not giving yourself nourishment, by all means you do that. But don't pass it on to those you love. That's a, bit of a, that's a bit of a decision that shouldn't be made by you, you know. J- Jimmy's boning your breast very badly, or very well, rather. <laughs> this is Jimmy. Jimmy's from Cullen. Uh, they call it Cowl Cullen because the wind whistles up the main street all the time. Jimmy's with me uh, five years. Uh, six years, Jimmy. Sorry about that. I didn't pay for the first one. <laughs> and Jimmy's, Jimmy, Jimmy's uh, a, a very, uh, very much into the, g- the game of Gaelic. He plays it exceptionally well. And uh he's nearly as good he's nearly as good a footballer as he is a butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so he placed the first team for Mother Graders. Would you like to say a few words, Jimmy? Or do you want to say a few words? Not as much as the word he's shaking his head very viciously and yeah. saying no. <laughs> When the meat, piece of meat arrives home, we're aware of the fact that the customer opens the bank and they have a piece of meat on the table. If they've got to put time and energy into getting that ready, it's an inhibiting factor against the sale of meat. Because that customer has to work at getting that meal ready. So that if we can cut it up very small, which she would have to do anyway, so we do it for her because we've got the expertise. And then if we turn around then and uh, have the carrots diced as well... It doesn't have to scrape these house and dice when we have them down. that's another convenience. Now, we're just throwing the neck off that now. That, that neck will go for mince. Mm. on, that goes for mince. There's a nice covering on it. It's, nice, it's, it's a nice covering of a little bit of fat. Now, fat is going down as a dirty wall, living in the fat of the lanyard. Ha- there has to be a little bit of covering on the beef. Just a little bit of covering, a little bit of marbling in it there to have that cook it cook very nice and taste nice. Then after that, then, there's a lovely, nice, nice light colour. That's youth. That's a young animal. Nice bloom on it. Also, the animal was rested before it was processed. So it was fasted overnight on the, on the Sunday before it goes into the yard on Monday. And when it's, when it's been processed, there's no rush or fuss. Each animal is done nice and slowly. And uh, in the sense of that, there's no fuss and no high voice and no shouting. So there's no adrenaline and the animal is relaxed. Right? And that manifests itself.
1: the mm-hmm.
0: out to term in fact, and uh, come head ahead to a farmer who supplies me with cattle for the winter uh, he's what I would call a winter feeder and he feeds his cattle in the shed over the winter where the cattle are brought in from, in, from outside in the field uh, to find a farmer who will do this is a great advantage to a butcher because the, the, the farmer knows exactly the type of cattle I want and in the winter for the complete entire winter I am able to rely on this particular farmer to supply me with exactly what I want so that's where we're going now, to see this farmer. something coming there, my little Linda? No. Nope. Thank you very much. Beautiful jail mm-hmm. This is one of the biggest problems that people have in business. There's a story told about uh, the three great lies of business. First one being is, I'm uh, looking late at the office again, of Pat. And that's, uh, I won't be home when I, uh, again, yet, yet again, I'm late. Second one being, there's a check in the post. I told you that, didn't I? Yes, there's a check in the post. And the third great one is, when your man arrives with the horn and glasses and puts his briefcase down in the middle of the shop and says, good afternoon, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. That's the third great big lie in business. I, I, I was taught certain things. I was taught uh, but always be straight and honest. Never be dishonest with your with your public, because if you're if you're honest with them, they'll be honest with you. Be straight in your dealings and straightforward. I I could be accused, of, I suppose, sometimes of being too frank and too straightforward, and but that's the way it is. That's the way I am, and that's the way I'm going to be. Nobody I've had to worry whether it's done with me. i <laughs> would People can tell me what they think of me. Also, years and years behind the counter it makes you semi bulletproof. So you sort of don't have a bulletproof vest, just a thick skin, and you listen to it all. But you know, you know, even in bad days, when things are not going so good, and you you hear things that you shouldn't hear or you don't want to hear, I always remember that you got to listen to tunnel. If <laughs> you're in the middle of a ten-acre field and a big clap of tunnel comes, and all you can do about it, you so just listen and I your head hate thing away, Yeah, we finished <laughs> that must be nearly it now T- talking about people who are who are anti-meat and people who are uh, excessively animal rights now I don't think at this stage that I should have to indicate how I stand in relation to animals I've got two cats three dogs and a budgie and that's my contribution to animal farm I am a lover of animals always have been I never fired a shot in anger in my life and certainly don't ever intend to. But I would say this, that there's a a joke that encapsulates what I feel about uh, about people who choose to use animal rights to promote an ideology that they've just taken upon themselves. And uh, one day they were out hunting for foxes and uh, the hunt was flying along, doing very well and giving great chase to this fox. And the animal rights people discovered the fox and captured the fox themselves and put the fox into the back of the car and said, Oh, Mr. Fox, come home with us. We'll look after you. So they brought the fox home and they dried him off and cleaned him off and put him lying in front of the fire. And the fox lay down and said, Thank you very, very much. You know, you really saved my life and I'm very, very grateful to you. Otherwise, I don't think they were going to catch me, but, you know, you never know. Sometimes you're not just as fleet of foot as you'd like to be. So they said, Oh, it's our pleasure. We are animal rights people. We are in favour of saving the fox and all that sort of thing. So the fox dozed off to sleep and the next morning he wakens up and the people come down and say oh there you are, it's the fox, you rested well I rested very well I'm, very, very, I'm really feeling very fit now and frisky and uh, fit for my breakfast and what would you like? Said, I'd like a little bunny rabbit So they threw him out the back door and locked the door Now that to me is an indication of double standards Here you have people who were prepared to accept that the fox had been chased which I wouldn't really agree with but there you are and then you have a situation where they take the fox in and they put him and look after him and then the very moment that the fox isn't exactly what they would like the fox to be even though it's totally natural for the fox to chase the rabbit they've no time for the fox anymore that's being selective you should not be selective you should have your principles right across the whole area and not be selective and say I think that we should kill rabbits but we shouldn't kill foxes and you should always kill a mouse or a rat because he doesn't look nice but you can kill something that looks nice but if something doesn't look nice you can kill it that's being selective so anybody who can set a mouse trap and not worry about it right but can, wouldn't kill a rabbit they're being selective and that's not right think about it I know I'm right that's being selective isn't it? moving up the yard no cow manure on the ground at all because it's a very frosty day and uh, we're passing by sheds that are full of lambs all back chewing and sitting back very peacefully and we're going around now to, to a very very large shed where the cattle are fed for the winter and I'm not going to be an expert both in the shop and on the farm because I'm not I know the type of cattle I want, but this man here with me, Paddy Morphy, he's the man who does the job himself.
3: And uh, I take in uh, cattle about uh, 350 kilos, and uh, I feed them on approximately two to three months. I feed them exactly as I think. I, I buy them as I think that Eugene would like them. Very difficult man to satisfy. He's... um. He wants a particular type of animal he 's very keen to get about uh, an animal into his shop about five hundred kilo five hundred pounds dead an animal that uh, is nicely covered, not too fat, just an animal as he says himself that is nice to look at and yet very 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 uh, tasty when you 're going to eat it
0: it 's grand buddy.
3: Yeah. Well, this is the, this is, the, this is the, 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 where, where we get into conflict sometimes
0: with other people in the meat trade who seem to have a leaning towards lean. Now, if it's very, very lean, it is, it's kind of boring to eat and it's not just quite as enjoyable. And if it's not as enjoyable, the people won't come back and eat it again. So you're in the business of trying to get the, the, the consumer to come back again and again and again to buy the product. And this is why the little bit of film of fat on the outer perimeter of the meat. Now, that fat that's on that It would be referred to in the trade, as I said, as covering. And that covering is on the outer part of it. Now, when you're serving that meal to the person and they go to eat it, that's visible fat. The person has the option not to eat that little rim of fat if they don't want to. And by not eating that rim of fat, they are cutting down on their fat intake. But it's the invisible fats of the non-natural foods which is totally different. And this is why, if that cow would stop interrupting me, This is why there is so much silly talk going on about foods. The natural food is the food here. You hear it here. You can hear the cows in the background, the cattle in the background, the apples in the background. You can hear them here. Where could you get closer to a health food than to take an animal in from the farm, process it and put it into a shop, and sell it to the consumer? How close can you get to nature? Can you get any closer to the nature than that? You can only get closer if you went out in the field and lay down on a summer's day and felt the soil under your back. That's the only day you'll feel this close by eating the vegetables that come out of the farming community, by eating the lamb and the beef and the pork that's once produced. Now, that is not in a box. It's not sitting on a shelf. It's not eaten by 1979 or 1986 or whatever year you want to bet. This has a, has, a, has a shelf life it's only a shelf life of so many days after it's cut because the meat's hanging. Why will it not keep any longer? The reason why it won't keep any longer than three or four days in your fridge is because it's fresh. That's why. Because it's a health food. It's not sitting in a plastic bag on a shop that says, I'm a health food shop, because somebody gets up on, on, on the front of them and says, health food shop? Is this the argument you want to use? Is this what you're saying a health food is? I'm telling you the head food is what I'm standing here. A derivative of a farm right smack in the middle of County Louth, The same as that's right smack in the middle of a farm in Tipperary or South Cork or in Donegal or in in Longford. It's happening all the time. It's happening in your village. That butcher is down the road doing the same as I'm doing. Except he's not telling you about it. I'm here today to tell you about it. That's why I say thank you for giving me the opportunity. Because I want to put the rest a lot of... I was nearly going to say some kind of... You know the kind of thing that comes out of a bull, but I certainly won't say it because I'm uh, good rearing doesn't allow me to say that. But that's what it is. It's down to that. And even you, who would be classified as a semi-Tony, would have to stand here and say to me, "Don't they look fantastic with their curly heads and their broad faces and kind eyes?" Of course, I don't feel sorry for them. I don't feel. I I, I feel that the job has to be done, and I'm the man to do it. Uh, the, 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 here, here you've got a food to be produced. There's a whole chain, uh, what are we going to do if we, don't, if we don't eat them? Do we leave them in the fields until their toes turn upwards and they can't walk? Do we, do we leave them there until more of them come along? Do we say we're going to keep this generation of cattle there for the next 20 years until they die off naturally? And we're not going to have any more born?
3: You know, this is what I'm saying. Eugene, have you a preference for any of those for next week? Would you? Is there anyone you particularly like? To think that's coming to the end that was just about right for killing next week?
0: There's a black white head at the back there, uh, kind of stubby little boy. There's w- one
3: they're using, could I suggest that one? Suggest that yeah,
0: that, that, that one is another good one. What we, we're looking for is a good uh, good big roundness at the back of the animal, uh, at, at the back of the animal where the money is. The front of the animal is the cheaper cuts, the back of the animal are the dearer cuts. I say cheaper cuts now in the sense of that they're not as pricey. There's nothing wrong with them now as cuts, they, 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 they eat very well in stews and that sort of thing. But at the back of the animal is where the money is. The farmer doesn't rear cattle, sheep and pigs. He rears beef to be eaten on the, on, on the table, lamb to be eaten and pork to be eaten. And the farmer is part of this whole scenario. He's in there, built into that chain. He's the first link in the chain. And the, the most important link is the last link. That's the consumer. The farmer too long was standing on the road looking into the field. The farmer has now climbed over the gate and stood in the field and looked out on the road. Because that's where it's all happening now. Between 1992 and the European, the European situation and the the, the, the possible importation of lambs from England, and all the other vagaries and things that things that can happen, because there are too many alternatives to consumer now, and we've got to keep meat, and all our Irish foods that are grown in this country, that are natural foods, that are derivatives of the soil of Ireland. We've got to get all those products on the high highest possible plane, and on the tables of the Irish housewife and displace this 400 million of imported nonsense that's coming in that is not foods at all and our children will not thank us if we're going to give them a diet of imported boxed foods off shelves in, 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 in various places. I hope you run out of tape, Julian, have you? <laughs> I'm running out of steam. <laughs> Well, you tell me I'm a natural, I'll have your sacred life. <laughs> Cold night, isn't it? So I think I'll forego the corn base that I had yesterday and I was going to have cold. And I think I might have a few lamb cutlets grilled, on the, on, on, actually on the grill, with one grilled tomato, two of slices of my wife's bread, red, and a nice, large mug of strong coffee. And that'll be me until the morning. That'll keep it going. <laughs> you <laughs> girls no. what's your name? Michelle What's oh, a lovely name I hate being called Mary it's so often isn't it? Mm?